everybody just stand up a minute. <clears throat> just um, let's just ask the Lord to renew our minds. Lord, we <clears throat> ask you to do that right now for just a fresh mind, a renewed mind. God, we ask you to release strength to us. Uh, Jesus, we uh, we're here. This is why we came together to worship you. And to encounter you, Lord. We didn't come to go to church. Because we don't believe in going to church, Lord. We believe in being the church, Lord. We want to be with you, Lord. That's the only way we can be the real church. Is to be with you. And God, I ask you right now, you would really refresh us, Lord. Just uh, move anything off of anybody that may be trying to get them and mess them up, Lord. Lord, thank you for that beautiful dance and that song, God. Lord, thank you for your presence and worship this morning, Lord. Oh, God, thank you, Lord. Lord, I pray for the people who got hands laid on, Lord, that your power be on, Lord. It has to be you, God. It's not, not anything that we have, God. It has to come from heaven. It has to come from the Spirit, Lord. And that's what we put our hope in, is you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. You can sit down. <laughs> um, let me just say this. Where's Nathan? You taking care of me, buddy? Right now. Um, I think we had announced in the bulletin we were going to receive a special offering this morning for the building fund. His friend, you know, talked about that. And, uh, you know, I just want to encourage you to, to give to it liberally. Anything that we put in these plates, you can go ahead and pass them around now. We'll go towards the building fund. I just wanted to remind you of one scripture in uh, Acts 11. There was a prophecy that there was going to be a famine over the whole earth. And you know what those guys did when they heard that prophecy? They took up an offering. And see, I think, you know, in the, the world system is, you know, oh, the stock market, everything's bad. You know, we need to hold on to what we got. And, but that's not the kingdom of God. And I just, you know, want to encourage you this morning to have more of a kingdom attitude towards your finances, not just for this offering. In fact, you know, you don't have to give. You know, this is not, a, I'm not trying to coerce you into giving, but what I am trying to say to you is at this time, we need to be looking to God as our source. And if we will arrange our lives and arrange our finances according to the Scripture, we'll be okay. But if we do them like people do them, we will not be okay. Because there's a lot of people scrambling around now thinking they have everything figured out and they're in trouble. And we don't want to be... Uh, you know, Jim was saying something this week that he got the greatest gift he's ever got from one place on the earth that is in the worst economic shape that they could possibly be in. You hear that? Somebody gave him a piece of property worth $100,000 in a nation that can't keep a president because the economy is, is just so messed up. And that's kingdom. Isn't that right? So that's the kind of attitude I think God wants to release to the church, uh, because God's going to release the wealth of Egypt, the wealth of the world into the church one day, and, but He's not going to release anything to people who have a hoarding attitude. Amen? So I won't say anything else about that. <laughs> I can tell you. Okay, can you open your Bibles now? And <clears throat> let me just, um, I just need to pray. Is that Okay. For me, I'm praying for me right now. I feel sort of disoriented a little bit. Uh, Lord, just, I just ask you right now, I believe uh, you have a, a word to give us this morning. And God, I just pray uh, that for the uh, grace 
Lord, for your word. Uh, grace to come to say your word and grace to hear your word, Jesus. We just ask you for that, Lord. We That's what we're here for, Lord. We're here for you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Hey, remember last time I was here a couple of weeks ago when I spoke and I told you three things out of Acts chapter 1? Uh, three keys to the release of the activity of the Holy Spirit in your life. Remember that? Three keys from Acts 1. first one was uh, in Acts 1, 4. Uh, it said, wait, wait on the promise. Amen? Wait on the promise. In, in other words, that's one of the keys is that we need to wait on God. You know, if, if God has made promises in your life, you need to wait on those promises because else I can promise you that those promises will come true if God promised you something. So that's the first key. Second key is, is you don't just stand around and wait and do nothing. I think in Acts one fourteen it says it says they gathered together in one accord and prayed. In other words, now when not only do we be waiting on the Lord and not getting ahead of the Lord and, and, and not trying to do things in our in ourselves, but we need to be asking God. We need to be communing with God and talking to God right now. Now's not a time to be lukewarm Christian. If there's ever was a time to not be distracted, to, to really get before the Lord and really seek the heart of God and ask God what He's got to say, now, now's the time to do that. And I really encourage you that we're living in a time where we really need to be talking to God and hearing God talk to us. And I think God's got things He wants to say to us. So that's the second key. Remember, these are keys to release the activity of the Holy Spirit in your life. That's what we want. We want His activity. And the third one was in, started in Acts uh, one fifteen. was the restructuring. Everybody say restructuring. Uh, the leadership. They were, you know, having to replace Judas. They had to get a new apostle. And, um, and then it says, uh, in the next chapter, it says, Suddenly, uh, Acts 2 Chapter, verse 1 and 2. It says, suddenly the Lord, you know, suddenly the Holy Spirit showed up one day. So I believe as we, as we really wait on the Lord and as we really pray to the Lord, the Lord will start releasing divine strategies to us about what He wants us to do with our life, how we need to restructure our life, how, you know, we need to be asking God questions like this. Well, what are things in our lives that don't need to be in our lives anymore? You know, things that we need, we need to get rid of. What are things you want to put in our lives? What's our new, you know, maybe a new vision, maybe a renewed vision or a freshness in our lives. Uh, one thing we've, Matthew and I learned recently about California is in California, you can take surfing as a PE course in high school. Isn't that the cool? You can take surfing. That'd be great. But one of the keys is they were talking about different things about surfers. You know, a surfer has to be able to know when the wave's coming. They have to know how to get up on the wave. And they know how to, have to know how to balance themselves. But they also, was one other key they got to know. They had to know when to get off that wave, when to get off that board, when that wave's over. Or they could get, get hurt. And I believe a lot of times God moves in our lives and... and it's like the wave comes and we're finally got up on it and we're balanced. We're having a great time and then the wave starts dying. A lot of people ride that wave down too far and wind up getting thrown off the board and slammed into the to the the surf and get hurt. And the Lord is asking people now, you know, what is in your life that God wants to to get rid of? You know, what changes do you need to make in your life? Now's the time to do that. Now's the time to really ask the Lord those questions. You know, 
it's just be real important for us now to do that. And, I, and the reason I want to say that because I feel compelled to say that. I know it's re, I'm repeating myself, but I really feel like that really is the Lord. That those are three things that we need to set ourselves to doing. Don't get ahead of the Lord right now. Wait on Him. Wait on Him. If He's made a promise, it's going to happen. Don't try to make it happen. Don't do something stupid trying to generate something. But at the same time, if God's doing something, if He's moving in your life and you've recognized it, man, don't just sit back in unbelief. Go for it. If you really see that God's really doing something and you have identified that and prayed about it and the people that you're close to can amen it, go for it. Don't lag behind the Lord. Amen? But you gotta, we've got to restructure our lives. You know, it is a changing of the guard. It's a changing of the season. And you may have been a loser spiritually. Okay? You have, may have been a, you know, just, it, your life may have been a mess. You may have been the most carnal person in the room. But I believe the Lord's saying the new season's coming. You have an opportunity to not be that anymore. You have an opportunity to be something different. You don't have to be a loser anymore. You may have been the biggest sinner. And, but God's saying you don't have to be that way anymore. He, he's, this is a new day. There is a new guard coming. There is a changing of the guard coming in the church. I believe in the spiritual realm. There, it's coming. And God's going to upset the Albuquerque. God's going to raise up a new guard. He's going to raise up something different than we've seen before. And you may have been the nobody in the last, last uh, regime, but you could be... You know, you could be awesome in this regime. And I believe all of us could be if we wanted to be. So I encourage you really to begin to pray and wait before the Lord and seek the Lord about your life, your family, you know, you know your spiritual condition. Amen? Um, so I just want to share that part. <laughs> uh, turn to Luke 22. Now, this is something... <clears throat> that I believe the Lord... I don't really know how to really communicate this to tell you the truth. Um, I know what I want to say to you. I believe the Lord's given me something to really say. But I just don't know really how to say it. Okay? But I believe it's really important. Um, so I'm just going to say it, and however it comes out, this is the way it comes out. Okay? <laughs> But I, this is what I told the Lord about this. I told the Lord the other night, I was praying about this. This is something that I've known, I guess. I said, Lord, somehow you, you need to get this message out to people. That's what I told them. You've got to get this message out. People need to hear this. People in the world need to hear this message. You know what I'm saying? People in the world, people in the church, the church needs to hear this. So I'm going to try to tell you guys this this morning. Um, Luke 22, verse 31 through 34. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. But he said to him, Lord, I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Then he said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster shall not crow this day before you will deny me three times that you know me. Now, I want to just make a couple point, little things here. Number one, Jesus did not pray for Peter to not fail. He prayed that his faith wouldn't fail. He did not pray for Peter. In other words, 
The Lord wanted Peter to fail. Okay? He really did want him to fail. He needed to fail. But his faith didn't need to fail. Second thing is, Peter was pretty confident in himself that, you know, I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death. That's the second thing. That's how confident and assured he was within himself. Now look down in verse 54, same chapter. Jesus, was, it says, having arrested him, that's Jesus, they led him and brought him into the high priest's house, but Peter followed at a distance. Now when they had kindled a fire in the midst of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat among them. And a certain servant girl, seeing him as he sat by the fire, looked intently at him and said, This man was also with him. But he denied but he denied him, saying, Woman, I do not know him. Talking about Jesus. And after a little while, another saw him and said, You also are of them. But Peter said, Man, I am not. Explanation point, meaning he said it strongly. Then after about an hour had passed, another confidently affirmed, saying, Surely this fellow also was with him, for he is a Galatian. Sorry. But Peter said, Man, I do not know what you are saying. Pretty strong. Immediately while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said to him, Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And so Peter went out and wept bitterly. He went out and wept bitterly. So Peter went from a few verses up there in verse 33, where I will go with you to both prison and to death, to he went from that confident level to absolute total failure and total defeat in his life. Think about the last conversation he had with Jesus, the last thing he, that Jesus said to him. And there he is, before the rooster crows three times, you will deny me. And there Jesus is looking at Peter, and Peter looking at Jesus. And the last thing Jesus said to him happened. And he was bitterly broken at that point in his life. Bitterly broken because he had denied the Lord after he had so confidently said to the Lord, I'll never deny you. I'll never deny you. You with me? Y'all getting awful subdued on me. <laughs> Turn over to John 21. Of course, next thing that happened to Jesus was he was crucified. John 21, verse 1 through 3. And by the way, I'm sharing this because this has to do with the changing of the guard. Okay? I believe this is the changing of the guard that God wants to make. I'm, I'm convinced it is. I'm convinced in these scriptures I'm reading is a secret that God wants to reveal to people. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And in this way, he showed himself. Now, here's Jesus, you know, he's resurrected Jesus. He hasn't ascended to heaven yet. He's hanging around. Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Canaan and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we're going with you. They went out immediately and got into the boat, and that night they caught nothing. Now, I want you to understand one thing about that, I'm going fishing. It wasn't just, I'm going to go fish this afternoon, you know, have a good time on the lake. That, I'm going fishing, in the original language, meant this, I am going back to fishing as a way of life. 
You got that? In other words, at one point Jesus said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And Peter did that. But now Peter is saying this, I'm going to stop doing that and I'm going to go back to doing what I did before I did that. Because I followed him and it didn't work. I followed him, and I tried to be a fisher of men. I tried to be something I couldn't be, and I, I totally failed at it, I'm, and, I, and I messed up. I'm discouraged in my life. I'm brokenhearted in my life because I tried to do something that God told me He wanted for me to do, but I couldn't do it. In fact, not only I couldn't do it, I even rejected the person who said, he, who said I could do it. So I'm not going to do that no more. I'm going to go back and do what I know I can do, and I can catch bass. I can catch catfish. I can catch marlin. I can do that. I know I can do it. Well, you know, they fished all night, it says, on down, and the Lord appeared on the shore and called out to them and said, have you caught anything? They said, no. And he said, throw the net on the other side of the boat. They threw the net on the other side of the boat. They just caught 153 fish. I think that's what it was. So much fish that the nets were breaking. And I think John said, it's the Lord. And Peter jumped into the lake and swam the shore to find the Lord there with a fire with some fish on it. Okay? That's a pretty condensed version I just read. So they had breakfast with Jesus. Now, verse 15. That happened between verse 3 and verse 14. Well, I just told you, but for time's sake, I just jumped over it. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? Now, here's, this is important. He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him a third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger and girded, and you, you girded yourself and walked where you wished, but when you were old, you will stretch out your hands, and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. This he spoke, signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, Follow me. Now, for those of us who don't know this, this is really important you get this little thing here. Jesus said, Simon, son of Jonah, back up in verse 15, Do you love me more than these? Now, the word for love there is agape. Everybody knows what agape love is, right? Agape love is John 3:16 love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. It's, uh, this is a good definition. Agape is self-giving love, the love that goes on loving even when the object becomes unlovable. That's why agape, the object becomes unlovable. Agape love continues to love. It's not a natural love. In other words, if your friend becomes unlovable for some reason, you're not going to keep loving them, Okay? Unless you have agape love. I mean, it has no limits, this kind of love. No limits. There's no limits. There's no boundaries on it. You got that? Well, Jesus said, do you love me like this? Peter says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. 
But he didn't use the same word. He didn't use agape there. He used another word called phileo. Y'all know what that means? Phileo, love, finds its expression in friendship. Friendship means companionship, communication, and cooperation. Now, that's what it means. So Jesus asked him one question. Peter did not answer Jesus by saying, Yeah, I, I love you. I'll give myself for you. I'll do anything for you. He said, uh, basically, this is what he said. This, I'm paraphrasing it. Do you love me like that, Peter? Do you really love me more than these? Do you find your significance in life more than you're going to find your significance in fishing? When actually, Lord, I don't find my significance in you. You know, I really like you and care about you as a friend, but I don't find my identity in you. I don't find who I am in you. You see, I couldn't find myself in who I am in you. I, I, I tried to find who I am in you, I tried to find my significance in you, but I didn't. So I went back to fishing because I'm a good fisherman. I'm a good fisherman. And I can find identity and I can find significance in fishing. Are you with me? And, the, and then, the, this is what's so amazing. Peter answered the Lord like that. And the Lord said, uh, okay, feed my lambs. That was the Lord's, and that, that is so, that's extremely important. Extremely important. We've got to get this. That is extremely important. I mean, that's mind-boggling when you think about it. Feed my lambs. Okay, Peter, that's all right. I want you to feed my lambs. Then he asked him the same question again. You know, do you have this uh, divine love, this agape love for me? And Peter again says, you know, it's just friendship, Lord. It's just companionship. It's just communication. It's just cooperation. And the Lord said, this is what he said to him. He said, okay then, tend my sheep. That's the second time. Okay, the third time, are y'all with me? Y'all All right, the third time, he said to him, um, <clears throat> he said to him a third time, verse 17, Simon, son of Jonah, do you, Phileo, love me? Do you love me like with this companionship, this friendship? So the Lord went from those first two times saying the agape word down to where Peter was at the third time. In other words, the Lord stepped down to his level and said, do you really love me like a friend? And that's when it says Peter got upset about it. And he started crying about it and saying, you know, Lord, you know all things. You know all things. You know who I am, Lord. You know what I'm like, Lord. You know me. You know the best of me, and you know the worst of me. And you know that I love you like that. I care about you like that. And the Lord said to him a third time, feed my sheep. Um, let me read the story to you now, okay, to help you. I told you this was sort of hard to communicate. <laughs> I'm going to read this story I read recently. It's about a lady named Sheila Walsh. Anybody know who Sheila Walsh is? She's a woman that used to be on 700 Club. She was a co-host on 700 Club. And now she's a singer, a writer, and speaker at Women of Faith Ministry. Let me just read her little short story here, okay? This is profound. When I read this, it just, it just blew, blew my mind. It just blew my mind. In 1992, my life hit the wall. 
One morning I was sitting on national TV with my nice suit and my inflatable hair, hairdo. <laughs> 700 Club. <laughs> and that night I was locked. I was in the locked ward of a psychiatric hospital. It was the kindest thing God could have done to me. The very first day in the hospital, the psychiatrist asked me, Who are you? I'm the co-host of the 700 Club. That's not what I meant, he said. Well, I'm a writer, I'm a singer. That's not what I meant. Who are you? And she said, I don't have a clue. I don't have a clue who I am. And he replied, now that's right, and that's why you're here, because you don't have a clue who you are. And then she goes on and says, the greatest thing I discovered, there is some, sometimes some of God's most precious gifts come in packets that make your hands bleed when you open them. But inside, that's what you've been longing for all your life, to be fully known and fully loved. I measured myself by what other people thought of me. That was slowly killing me. Before I entered the hospital, some of the 700, cl 700 Club staff said to me, don't do this. You will never again regain any kind of platform. If, you, if people know you were in a mental institution on, on, and on medication, it's over. I said, you know what? It's over anyway. So I can't think about that. I really thought I had lost everything. My house, my salary, my job, everything. But I found my life. Jesus knew the worst, and he loved me. What a relief to know the worst about yourself and at the same moment be embraced by God. It's so li liberating to reach the end of yourself. And what I think is so profound is that last statement. What a relief to know the worst about yourself and at the same time be embraced by God. And that is exactly what happened to Peter. The worst of Peter was laid out for everybody to see. The real Peter. Because you see, Peter, this was, one, this was Peter, and this is you, and this is me. We look for significance and identity and everything else but the right thing. And everything else but the right thing. We look for it in other people. We look for it in our jobs. We look for it in our ministries. We look for it in our houses. We look for it in our children. We look for what we can do well. And that's what this lady Sheila Walsh was doing. It's who she was as an announcer. That's who she was. But really, she didn't know who she was. That was a front. That really wasn't who she was. And that was what Peter was. Peter really wasn't a fisherman. But he could fish well. So he hid in that life of being a good fisherman. And the Lord allowed Peter to come down and totally fail. Totally fail. So he could do this to him. Embrace him and love him at his worst moment. But what was so cool about it was this. This is what's cool. Peter was at his worst moment. And here's Jesus saying, I'm entrusting my little lambs to you. You hear that? 
Peter was at his worst moment, and Jesus was saying, you're going to be a shepherd. You know, Peter was at his worst moment, and you're going to feed people. You're going to preach the Word. You're going to teach them about me. He was at his worst moment, and here's Jesus talking about all these wonderful things. You know, you see what, what's happening there? Do you see, you know, at our worst moments, I mean, God wants to bring everybody in this room there. Because that's where your real destiny is found. That's where your real identity is found. It's found at that moment where you in yourself really have come to the end. Where you're at the bottom. You're never going to find who you are in the Lord. You're never going to find who you are as a person. If you're a person who loves houses and cars, you're hid over there in that, but that's not who you are. If you're a person who has a job that's a great job, a career, and you're hiding there and you say, well, who are you? Well, I'm an executive. That's not who you are. And people in the ministry are worse, believe me. Much worse. I want you to turn to Hebrews 11. I want you to read, I'm going to read something to you. Y'all okay? Hebrews 11. This is... This is something else that's profound, okay? This is what happened. I was at the beach. I was up real late one night, just, you know, at the beach. You just sleep when you want to and get up when you want to. Ain't nobody going to make you do anything, except if you want to run, you have to get up early. But I was watching TV, and there was this uh, conference on Christian TV called Woman by Walt Loose. Anybody familiar with that? Woman by Walt Loose on, on TD, TD Jags. So he had all these women in there, and... He was just up there, just preaching away, and I was telling Becky, I said, there's something, there's some churches that have this reputation, everybody's real wild up on the stage doing crazy stuff, but his church, it ain't the stage you're doing crazy stuff, it's the people. They were just going ballistic in there. I mean, it was, so I was watching, I really wasn't listening to what he was saying, because they kept showing the audience, I was just having such a blast watching the people in the audience. I mean, they were just going wild. I mean, God was just touching people, and they were just going crazy. They were doing some stuff that people can't do in the natural by themselves. You know what I'm saying? That was what was happening. But the next day, I think, or a couple of days later, it was in the afternoon, it came on again. So he's preaching to these women. So I thought, man, I will listen to what he's saying this time because I've already seen all the action. He preached this message, and I told Becky... I think I want every woman in our church to hear this message. I want every woman.